Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the F1 show for the 2007 season-ending stuff. It is no race because Brazilian race is over. The championship has been decided. Kimi Raikkonen has won it. Hooray, Kimi. Go, Kimi! And we were unable to bring you a full podcast last time because Jim had business to do overseas. And we are back to do that to fulfill our promise. So, I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and I am back stateside. About time. Getting lonely, dude. Yeah, man. No, you did a good job last week, and uh, it was a fun episode. Hopefully, we can expand on everything, and I have uh, all kinds of interesting uh, rumors and conspiracy theories and all kinds of things, talking to a lot of people in, uh, in England where they're just way more into motor racing than we are here in the U.S., and uh, just about everyone knows a whole lot more than you know the average American about Formula One, which, yeah, that which was, was cool. That was interesting. You were telling me, uh, you know, it's like you were asking around because you didn't really know. So you were asking some of your buddies, hey, do you watch Formula One? Oh, do you watch Formula One? And they were all like, of course we watch Formula One. What else would you do? It's yeah, like It was literally, I was talking to this one guy from Germany, and he's like, yeah, I was friends with Norbert Haug. You know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, this isn't like people that know people, you know, that know Formula One. This is like, yeah, you know, one of my friends is an aerodynamicist at Renault. Another guy works at... You know, Honda, you know, F1. It's just everybody knows people that work there. And um, I was talking to a guy who uh, used to hang out with Mika Hakkinen back in the day. And he had, uh, this is from Finland, um, had some interesting theories about uh, who pulls the strings behind everything and honestly believes that Bernie Ecclestone has like a slow down Lewis Hamilton button somewhere that he literally has a button that he can press and be like, slow that guy down. And uh, I don't know. So do we want to, do we, do you want more of a cover? Uh, Race recap cover? I mean, you, I guess well, you pretty much covered that. I don't know. I guess it's kind of up to the fans here. Uh, what do you guys think? Just kidding. Uh, the thing I think, <laughs> don't laugh. Don't laugh. It'll get us to a bad start. See, it's the end of the season. We haven't watched the race. We're not quite in the same mindset as usual. So this podcast might be a little bit uh, happy. So we're going to try to be as professional as we can here, even though we don't get paid for this. Why are we being professional? Yeah, we shouldn't be getting paid for this. Anyway, I wanted to make a point, though, because yeah. it's not just the Europeans and know people. I know a guy who knows someone that once washed Ron Dennis's car. His car? His car. His personal car? No. Oh. But a car that he sat in once, I oh, okay. think. Okay. So, I mean, it's not like... That's, a, that's really cool, actually. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's much different here in the States. No, it's about the same. And I don't know the guy that knows the guy that... Knows the guy that washed the car very well, but I know it. Okay, I mean, what is that? Six degrees of six degrees of separation. So I mean, we are we really are right on the Formula One scene here. I mean, don't don't think this is like third hand information because easily it's like sixth hand. Well, plus, I mean, Alonso sends us fan mail all the time. I mean, yeah, he's a fan. Even I mean, he he actually took a lot of our comments to heart from recent episodes about he was a prima donna. He he agreed with us on that. He did. He did. All right. So to the race. Yes. Brazilian Grand Prix, going into the race, Hamilton was still up by four points over his teammate, Fernando Alonso, and seven points over Ferrari's Ferrari driver, Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, he was third on the grid. He was poised to sail on and take this thing home, no problem. Be the first rookie world champion, 22-year-old phenom, who came out of nowhere that's been under Ron Dennis's wing since he was 10, and this was going to be the amazing blockbuster story of the F1 in a generation. So, Jim, 
What happened? Well, first couple of things. Um, he, Lewis Hamilton's start was okay, but uh, it looked like Felipe Massa slowed down to uh, to kind of block, um, you know, to not enough that Hamilton could easily pass him. Man, this conspiracy but theory enough... from the Brits starts early. Jeez. No, dude, watch turn one, lap one. Because um, uh, Felipe kind of backs off, and, and Raikkonen gets right up beside uh, Hamilton. It kind of boxes him in, and uh, he doesn't really have anywhere to go. And, and meanwhile, Alonso is, is uh, a little bit farther back. Um, he gets a really good start, and he's like right up behind Hamilton. Into turn two, um, Lewis. I don't. I mean, I'm not quite sure what happened. I guess you know he was really close to the cars in front. He kind of had to. kind of had to slow down a bit more. Alonso took him on the outside. Um, so right off the bat, um, you know, Lewis is kind of hurting. But you know, I guess it's you know he doesn't need to win. He just needs to place well and ahead of the other guys. Well, and he's it, okay. It puts him from third to fourth. Yeah. And if he finishes fourth, Alonso with Alonso in third, he still wins the world champion he's championship, okay. right? Uh, yes, I think so. There was yes. so many... The answer is yes. Okay. Um, so many iterations of possible outcomes. I forget where we were then. It was, it was a while back. Um, so, all right off the bat, you, okay, you know, he's... I mean, you got to imagine his heart's pounding. It's, you know, this is the start of his final race. And I can't help but think back to China a couple weeks ago and just think how how frustrated he, Lewis must be after that. I mean, he, re, he could have clinched it then, and it was his to lose, and the team kept him out too long. Um, you know, really race, racing against Alonso more so than the guys on track. Um, they just didn't want to come out um, behind Alonso and, you know, I guess prove Fernando right about anything. So, um, you know, they kept him out too long on, on the tires there. And there's still some question back and forth of whether that was really a team thing or whether that was Lewis's fault. I think it's, you know, some of both. Yeah, I don't think it's it's fair to blame that entirely on Lewis. Certainly, at the very least, if Lewis said, hey, I want to go out and stay out another lap, the team said, okay. And they could have very well have said, no, that's that's suicide, or no, that's bad judgment. Yeah, and he came into the pits too hot and lost it there. But, I mean, I can't help just think about, you know, what he would have been thinking about in the car is that he could have had it clenched, and yet now he's in this battle, and then he starts losing places right off the bat. But you know what bothers me is even pre-race going into the, going into the Brazilian Grand Prix, uh, the post-interviews after qualifying, you know, they asked him, are you feeling the pressure about what tomorrow could be, you know? No, no pressure. I'm feeling quite relaxed, actually. And it's like, dude, you're under pressure. You gotta, Give me a yeah, break. Yeah, you got to be feeling something. I mean, you know, does Lewis Hamilton have emotions? You know, I don't know. It's uh, he, he definitely comes off as like the super cool, you know, just, yeah, not really any pressure. Yikes. The cat's He's saying, licking my arm, dude. Not cool for podcasting. <laughs> okay, yikes. Um, Keep it professional. Sorry. And uh, so Lewis Hamilton, you know, he... In all the interviews, you know, after he, he was uh, out in China, he said, oh, no, just, you know, I'm, I'm just more excited to get on to the next race, and it's actually good for me. And, like, dude, come on. It's not good for it's you. You could have won the championship. Um, so, anyway, I was in England with a bunch, with a bunch of uh, Hamilton fans, of course. Um, really? They're Hamilton fans in England? Yeah, yeah. They, I think a couple of them have heard of the guy. I thought they were all still bumming about Winkelhock not having the drive still. Yeah, Winkelhock. Um <laughs> So... You know, we, we sort of figured, hey, it's, it's, it's all Lewis. He's been so professional and, and had such a good head on his shoulders for the whole season. Um, you know, how's, how's, you know, how is this not going to, you know, how, how he couldn't do anything but win it, right? Um, we saw well, Felipe Massa was on pole, but there, we knew at some point during the race Ferrari would let Kimi pass. Um, we thought that was going to be earlier on, but uh, Felipe Massa was actually out in front for the first two pit rotations, and it was only on the second pit stop where Kimi pulled in front of him. That's so, right. Well, Massa pit, uh, pitted a few laps earlier than Raikkonen and gave Raikkonen a chance to run some really good laps on real light fuel. Um, but, you know, we're, we're uh, 
The thing with Hamilton was, you know, he was passed by Alonso on the outside early in the race. He was fourth. He was behind Alonso. He would have been fine. But he was getting anxious, and this is what we were talking about, all this pressure that he must have been feeling, despite the fact that he wasn't admitting to it at all, which I honestly felt was a little disingenuous, but that's besides the point. Uh, Hamilton, fun, Hamilton attempted to repass Alonso, and as a result... Missed his breaking, missed his breaking zone, and and went wide into the gravel. Ended up losing a few places and didn't get back on track until he was in eighth place. So at this point, after what just happened, he's hurting. He's hurting, and I think at that moment in time, Alonso is actually poised to win the championship. Yeah, Alonso would have won because Felipe Massa was out in front. If Kimi and because right Kimi was in second yeah. at the time. Yeah, because uh, you know because Felipe hadn't uh, let Kimi pass yet. Yes. Um, so yeah, at that point it would have been it would have been Alonso's uh, deal, but I'm sure Alonso must have known, um, you know, it's suspected same as I did, and a lot of people did that, uh, you know, the Ferrari would let Kimi pass because obviously Felipe is out of the championship. Um, but and then, rightly so. I mean, let's for for record's sake, I think that is completely legitimate for Ferrari to do. If you have the chance to win the world championship or not win the world championship, you're going to win the world championship. Of course, the Constructors' Championship is technically what's more important to Ferrari as a team. But come on. I mean, there's no way that they're going to say, oh, that's dishonorable team orders. And I think that's the way it should be. It is a team. And you know, Ferrari as a team wants to put their uh, put their money behind one guy. I think that's completely legit. So for, for my opinion, what they did was completely legitimate. Just Fair so that's out there. It's against the rules, but okay. Sure. Um, but then... Lewis Hamilton has transmission trouble. And originally, uh, some uh, British commentators said that it was his fault that he pressed the wrong button. And uh, there was this big uproar about, oh, how can you diss our local boy and blah, blah, blah. And then later it came out that the guy said, oh, no, no, sorry. It was a car issue. It was something that the transmission selected neutral by itself. Um, we didn't know this at the time. It just sort of slows down. Um, cars are whizzing past. And, and Lewis Hamilton, at one point, almost, I think, stopped on track. Um, did awfully close. I, I mean, he, he was, never he came creeping. to a stop. He yeah. was crawling, though. And I mean, it's it's hard to judge. He could have been going 30 miles an hour, but if the car is going by him or going 150, yeah, it, it looks like he's going painfully slow. So, I mean, and at this point, he got back. He's put in like 12th spot or something. I mean, 18th, 18th is yeah. when he finally when he finally him and his team one way or the other sort out this glitch he had. Now this all happened within the first eight laps of the race. Let's let's remind you, and this is a 71 lap race. So he, after that, he was out 18th. Now, some people, the American commentators, made, made a point, well, was this glitch he had indirectly a result of him bumping over the curbs violently when he went off track earlier, a couple laps earlier? Did indirectly his mistake for trying to pass Alonso cause this incident as well? We don't know. But that's, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like as much as the car can be set up to go over curbs and handle that, you know, handle that well with some of these, these tracks that they really just... I mean, the car's never had this issue before. They've definitely had curbs. They've had spins. They've had other incidents um, and not had this issue. And it's it's hard to say how this happened. I mean, it's sort of a weird problem and, and really just sort of took the life out of, uh, you know, the, the Hamilton fans around, you know, just kind of like, Had oh. to take the life out of half of Europe, I, mean, I would think... Yeah, I mean, then the, the sort of the English attitude in general was just sort of like, just so long as it's not Hamilton, that, or just so long as it's not Alonso that wins, because <laughs> uh, you know Hamilton is is good, and, that, and a lot of us agree. You know, Kimi 
has earned it more so than anyone else, you know, that he's been so close so many times. I mean, in had, a lot of ways, this should be Kimi's third world championship. Yeah, that know? he's had so many failures on, you know, while leading the race and that kind of thing at McLaren. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, but I guess we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. Um, but uh, so <laughs> so the story is, though, um, that after after this whole spying affair, um, you know, McLaren, you know, they're docked of all their constructors' points, but they're still just going at it for the uh, for the driver's title. Ferrari doesn't think that they should be allowed to have driver's points. They think, okay, if you guys cheated, you shouldn't be allowed to be racing anymore. And, and uh, you know, according to one theory, and I don't know how true this is because I don't know Bernie Ecclestone or anything, but, um, you know, Ferrari goes to the FIA and says, hey, you know, these McLaren guys have gotten away with way too much. Um, we're going to pull out next year unless unless we can get the driver's championship. And uh, and it, and then they sort of put it to McLaren and say, you got to lose it one way or another. It's up to you guys. And so between the, uh, you know, sending, keeping Lewis far too many laps um, out on, on his you know, wet, you know, wet tires on dry track in China and then just sort of coming up with this weird transmission glitch. I mean, it all, it all felt kind of weird when it happened, don't you think? I mean, to see the McLaren just slowing down and he's spinning out and he's doing all these things. It, it, no, it did not look weird to it, me. It looked like a 22-year-old rookie with unbelievable amounts of pressure on him making mistakes. Okay. He's 22. He's it's been his a 21 first year in, tw- in Formula 1. He has so much press and pressure and he's been built up so much. I mean, he was completely full full of crap when he was saying he wasn't under pressure and he didn't feel the pressure. I didn't believe him, but you know what? You could at least admit to a little bit of it. I think he was just it was a sense of pride. But you know what? He had more pressure put on him as a rookie than anyone else I've ever seen. And we haven't been following the sport closely for a long time. But, I mean, this was not a normal rookie here. And he was about to do something that's no one, that no one has ever done before. Yeah. And he was a Brit. So it was huge. And the reason he had so much pressure on him is because he could handle all this pressure. And because throughout the whole rest of the season, when he was a 22-year-old and even a 21-year-old rookie, he handled the pressure just fine. And he was able to cope with that and turn that into success and think really well. And But the pressure built and grew. And as the World Championship became more real and more tangible... Pressure mounts. I don't, long story short, I think it's a beautiful conspiracy theory, but I think it's totally untrue. <laughs> you know, they needed a reason for Hamilton to lose, and there's your reason. Yeah, perhaps. Um, <laughs> well, Sorry, I'm not trying to burst no, anybody's I, I, bubble here, but it just, I mean, it, it certainly seemed, maybe it, it was a little bit too storybook that Hamilton lost it the way he did in the last couple of races. But it's awfully far-fetched to think that Bernie Ecclestone orchestrated this just so Ferrari wouldn't leave the World Championship. And what would Ferrari do if they did leave the World Championship? I think they realized that, I mean, think about any, any the stands at any Formula One race, easily at least half Ferrari, half everybody else. I mean, without, without Ferrari, Formula One really, I think, loses so much cachet, so much image, and, and a lot of fans, and a lot of dollars. I mean, I, I honestly think that's true. But see, what I... I don't doubt that, but what I think is equally true is that Ferrari has just as much to lose. If Ferrari stopped racing Formula One, I don't think everyone would be like, oh, yeah, Formula One sucks, good call, Ferrari. They'd be like, hey, what's going on? Do you guys wuss out? you guys can't handle it anymore? Oh, you're mad because you couldn't even win the driver's championship with a big penalty on McLaren? I mean, personally, I think they'd lose a lot of their base if they got out of the world championship. Fair enough. I think it'd be bad for both parties, and I don't, think that, I don't think that they actually would do that. But the fact that they have that to threaten was sort of made, made for an, an interesting theory. And, and like I say, I don't know, you know, obviously we can't really um, verify these things, and it's, it, it is a little bit far-fetched, but it was interesting to, to think about. And, 
It's just you a know. little too Big Brother is watching type of thing for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Although, I, I mean, and another guy I was talking to um, sort of has this ongoing, he'll keep track of whenever they interview Bernie Ecclestone on the grid, and I think the, uh, the British ITV guys can get to Bernie Ecclestone a little more often than the, the American guys, but uh, anytime Which means they, they can get to him. Yeah, <laughs> except that one time Peter Windsor goes, oh, Bernie Ecclestone. Um, and they say, oh, you know, anytime they ask Bernie Ecclestone who's going to win, that guy wins, you know, like whoever, whoever Bernie says, that's the guy that wins, and it's kind of like maybe he just knows the sport really well. And, well, and he also bets... Nine times out of ten for the guy on pole. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the guy on pole wins. I mean... Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I don't think that's as, as direct anything, but it was, it was interesting to sort of think about, um, you know, just think about the possibilities and, and, and how that could be going. I mean, it, it definitely seemed weird that the, the car would just stop working like that in such a way that nothing was actually really damaged. I mean, if something were shaken loose by the curbs and whatever, how is it? It's like, oh, it's fixed now. Okay, we can go. I mean... That doesn't, that's not like usually the kind of thing that fixes itself. But it was, it, that's neither here nor there, awfully, I suppose. It was awfully tricky, awfully unfortunate for Lewis. Was there some backhanded shenanigans going on? Possibly. I would love to hear our viewers' thoughts on that, our, yes. our listeners, I suppose I should say. Do they, do they admit the possibility of, of, of shenanigans here? What do you guys think? Because, frankly, I mean, there there is a little bit of valid points, but, I mean, you know what, too? Uh, not to get too political, but you know the conspiracy theories that run around what happened on 9/11. You know, a lot of that you know, piece it together like, oh man, that does kind of make sense if you look at it. But if you look at it and take a step back, look at the big picture, you'd be like, no, why would they do that? It just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? Like, and this is like government, world politics, terrorism stuff we're talking about. And ultimately, at the end of the time, Formula One racing is is racing. It's not. Some huge geopolitical thing. Yeah, but it's it's just I think the money involved, and that all the companies involved want to just get as much money as they possibly can, and I mean I think that's really the bottom line. It's just at the end of the day, it's all about money, and I think a lot of these companies are sort of willing to do whatever they can to, you know, come out looking like they really care about the sport and really are just in the interest of fairness and greatness. When I mean at the end of the day, any company and you know, any company out there is just looking to get maximum return on their investment and. You know, try to just get as much money as they possibly can. So that's why I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for some sort of weird backhanded stuff to be going on because it's all sort of this, you know, ecosystem with Max Mosley and, and Bernie Eccleston just having huge amounts of power and, you know, all these different guys sort of making deals and everything in, in back rooms. And I don't know. I mean, sure, I just, I just think it would be uncovered sooner or later if that were the case. Yeah, and it may be and it may not be and maybe this is all just nonsense. But it's interesting to... Uh, I guess it's fun nonsense to talk about anyway. Fair enough. So we digress a little bit here, but uh, so how was that experience of uh, of watching the race with a bunch of English hardcore Formula One? Fans? I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to see their coverage. Um, you know, they have they just some of the things they can do with their coverage. I mean, there's more money involved there. Clearly, um, uh, they, they, you know, they, when the U.S. guys want to do a demonstration about you know aerodynamics, they have Steve Matchett and John Wheatley, uh, that one of the guys at, at Red Bull Racing. Um, looking at the car and looking at the wings and saying, hey, this is how the air would go. And they have a little computer graphic. Yeah. Um, they recently set up a thing with the ITV host, with Martin Brundle and the other guy. I can't remember his name now. Um, where they got in. Not Martin Brundle. The, yeah. Um, they got into uh, Red Bull cars and uh, uh, and just set them up at Silverstone and just did laps. And sort of, you know, on one lap, uh, they'd be really close together and they would try turning it. You know, and this, then they're at speed, at full speed. In you know this year's Formula One car, I mean they have access to these guys and these teams, and they just you know they can get in the cars and just um, 
you know, really, you know, tune them for certain things, change the aerodynamics on them, that is and, crazy. and really set them up into like, oh, look, if I get this close to the guy, this is this is how the turning, you know, he shows it, and he, he cranks the wheel, and he's understeering, whatever, and if I'm this much farther back, this is how much better it is, and, you know, just, they actually can get in the cars and do these things in real life, which is just so cool. Yeah, um, but would you really want Bob Varsha doing that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, David Hobbs is pretty old school at this point, I don't know if he could handle a modern <laughs> Formula One car. But it's interesting to see it again. Where's the choke on this one? <laughs> this got a crank start. Um, <laughs> that'd be awesome. David Hobbs. Much love to David Hobbs if he's listening. I'm oh, sure. yeah, man. David Hobbs. He's good peeps. He's good peeps. Uh, I mean, I, frankly, it was kind of – it was sort of gutting at that point. I mean, when Lewis – when he falls back to 18th, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, dude, there's there's no way. We started running the numbers on how, how high he'd have to get – Lewis would have to get up to, I think, sixth spot – you know, based Sixth on spot exactly, based on where the other guys were, and then we were looking at the lap times because we had the live timing and scoring going. No, that's not true. We had to get to fifth. We had to yeah, get to fifth pass. to be Raikkonen because Raikkonen yeah. would, had they actually gotten the same points, Raikkonen would have won the tiebreaker because he's got one more win. Okay. So we had the timing and scoring going, and we're looking at Lewis's lap times and the lap times that of everyone he'd have to pass, and he'd have to make up, you know, some ungodly four seconds a lap, you know, something crazy, and uh, you know, just and. and so Lewis comes in for a pit stop, goes to soft tires and short fills on fuel, right? So he's got, it seems like it should he should be the fastest guy out there, bar none. And he's not. He's got, yeah. He, and he just couldn't make it happen. He's coming up on Yarno Truly, of all people, and he was, you know, creeping up on him lap after lap, you know, getting a couple of tenths or something on him. But he was not dominating like, like we really thought he would. You know, he sort of figured, oh, Yarno Truly's next. He'll make short work of him. No. Nope. And eventually I think he did well, get. Well, the Ferrari seemed awfully hooked up here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Massa basically just took Raikkonen off. Gone. Yeah, and Massa even more so. I mean, I guess I'm, um, I forget how the pit stops worked out, but I think it was you know quite a bit lighter just to get him. I mean, he's on pole. It's, it's Brazilian. You know, it's it got to be really exciting for him and for all the fans. But uh, oh sure. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, and, and for some for Felipe, it's kind of got to suck. You know, he he, I'm pretty sure could have won this race um, if it weren't for team orders telling him to let Kimi by. And, you know, being – obviously anybody who's a driver is going to want to win the race and being Brazilian and winning in Brazil and everything, that would have been great for him. But, you know, so good job, Felipe, to sort of take one for the team and, you know, back off, let, you know, sort of – I don't know if it's a slow in-lap or quite where it was that they let him pass. Well, but. They, they let – on the second stint, Felipe pitted, I think it was four laps before Raikkonen. So he when he pitted, he probably had a little bit of fuel left. Um, so he wasn't running completely light. And uh, so Raikkonen got a few extra laps on light fuel – with good hot tires, you know, tire degradation wasn't really an issue, so he could just put in a few more really quick laps before he's laden with a full fuel load again. And that that was just enough. I mean, uh, Massa was going faster, but I mean, Raikkonen was awfully close, and Raikkonen even in the middle was starting to put in laps that equaled or even bettered Massa's time. And I think, pretty sure Raikkonen got the fastest lap of the race. I have to pull that up to tell you that for sure, unless you beat me to that. I've not beat you to that, but. I mean, I was really pretty disappointed in Hamilton's pace with the light fuel and um, and, and and soft tires. And you know, then when he did get around Yarno Truly, he was coming on the BMWs and hardly getting on them at all. And so we sort of figured, okay, at, the, at first, um, you know, he's first back there and he's in 18th and was looking at the numbers. You know, okay, maybe there's a chance. You know, oh, and then when he does this pit stop, we're thinking, okay, this is where he's just going to rocket through the field. He's going to do something really amazing. But then, sort of looking at the the, the fill times as far as the fuel. We realize, um, you know, Hamilton's really low on fuel. And then when he did his, his second pit stop, um, 
they they didn't fill him up all the way. I mean, they were like, wait, he's actually going to have to do a third stop. Yeah, I didn't get that either. And I mean, I guess they they wanted to get him back out on track. If they sort of and and you know. The Formula One, the, the race directors are managing the strategy down to the tenth, down to the hundredth of a second, trying to figure out where he's on track now and where the, you know, where the traffic's going to be when he gets out of the pits and how long the pit stop's going to take and how long the fuel is and how much slower the laps are going to be based on how much more fuel the car has and all that stuff. And so, uh, and they actually maintained that that was the right call. All the, the post-race stuff with McLaren said, yeah, we gained a bunch of time by doing that, but it really didn't seem like it. I mean, having to do three stops when the other guys are on two stoppers, um, really seemed a, a bit weird, and so counterintuitive to say the least. Yeah. So just, I mean, having, um, you know, once Alonso really wasn't, or Hamilton was really wasn't making up that many spots, and uh, you know, and then even after this sort of, you know, when he should have been rocketing through the field, and he just wasn't. After that, we sort of figured there's there's no way, you know, he's just too far back, and uh, and he had a solid race for the rest of the race, but nothing. You know, just couldn't really make up any more spots and ended up with eighth spot. He at one point seventh right? spot. Oh, he, seven. he ended up with in two spots. He tied tied Alonso with 109 points and has a won the tiebreaker with Alonso, which put him second in the championship. And no, truthfully, after that first eight lap debacle, he drove really well and he tried really hard. And after the race, you could you know they had images, the camera showing him. He was kind of shrugging. He was you know, kind of congratulating his crew and stuff. I mean, I think he took it with stride, and I think he did show once again that he is very mature, and he does carry himself and handle himself very well. Um, but I will still, to I will say that I think what cost him the championship were a couple of rookie mistakes, and it he had to wait to the last race to make them, but I, I think he did finally make them. Yeah, and one thing about the way that was presented and everything at the end of the race, I mean, the first thing uh, we got before uh, Hamilton was even back into the, into the pits or whatever was uh, an interview with Tony Hamilton, his dad, and basically said, oh, man, you must be, you know, you must be heartbroken. And uh, Anthony Hamilton, to his credit, is like, oh, no, not at all. We're so excited. You know, just to be this close was so great, and we don't regret any of it. It's been so amazing. Um, you know, sort of, I guess that's the, the Hamilton party line. Um, it's just sort of, you know, oh, there's no pressure, and oh, what a great season. And, and yeah, it's great, but at the same time, I mean, come on, you know you're going to be disappointed when being that close. And, Certainly. Um, you know, but he, was, but he was smiling. I mean, he was, you know, honestly really sort of, you know, wasn't that great, and hey, w- this is amazing. Um, and even Hamilton sort of had the same attitude uh, afterwards in some, some of the interviews and whatever. It's just sort of, you know, we don't regret anything, and, um, how, you know, how great was it that we got so close. But the next day, you know, Monday morning in the, in the British press, you know, they found some picture of, of Hamilton, you know, with his head down against his helmet or whatever. And just there's some huge, huge headline in, like, 500-point font. It's like, Hamilton's dreams are shattered or whatever. I mean, you know, it's just... <laughs> That's it, funny to me. And you sort of realize just the, the sort of the part of the sensationalist part of uh, this business, you know. Does, does just, England know what's going yeah. Like, he's not done. This wasn't his swan song or anything. Yeah, um, but some of the things are, are basically like, oh, his life is over. And, you know, it's just kind of like, what? You know... I mean, I, that just shows they, how they want to sell magazines. The media is, you know, and 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 that's that's okay. But it's just it's funny to see that you know when one day we're watching the guy himself saying how you know how he feels about it, and and he, you know he was, I mean anybody's going to be disappointed in that situation, but he was honestly probably about as upbeat as you could be, and uh, and then the next day for the, all these things in the paper to come out and say oh he's shattered and you know he'll it's just going to hurt him and it's just whatever dude. Well, let me say that I think. Looking at the season in a whole, and even at that race, okay, he made a couple of mistakes. You know what? Congratulations, Lewis Hamilton. You did a brilliant job this season. You showed up your two-time, two-times champion teammate. You impressed everybody all season. 
You managed to impress your boss enough to get a new contract midseason. That's pretty sweet. You know what? Hamilton did an amazing job this year. He showed everyone that he was a superstar from his rookie year. I mean, I think he did a completely unbelievable job as a whole. Taking away this hole, he could have won. He was as close as he was. You know what? I think it is worth saying, if you take a step back, that was an absolute brilliant rookie season. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. And it's sort of, you almost want to say, well, you know, it couldn't have been any better. It's like, well, it could have been a little bit better. And if it were any better, it could have been just a little bit better. But hey, you know what? Champion. Yeah. I, he's going to be so hungry next year. He's going to be so pumped up for the first race in 08. And I think... As long as the car is there, as long as as long as McLaren's car there, I mean, he's going to be. You can say that, but then, but then you can think, oh, John Carlo Fisichella probably thought that at the beginning of this year when he was in the Renault, which was the top dog for a couple of years running, and thinking, yeah, but oh, you know man. what? Everyone everyone knew the Renault was going downhill, and you know what? Fisichella is not that good. No, I, mean, I know, but that, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, fortunes can change so quickly, and maybe That's next true. year BMW finds a whole lot of speed, and it's really, you know, I mean, who knows? You know, it's it's it, I'm, obviously he's going to be hungry. Um, he probably won't admit to it. He'll just say he's just having a great day for a nice walk in the park, and you know that's all that is. But um, just, I mean, it it it, you, it sucks to wait till next year to sort of see how it pan out, you know, because yeah, he's just got to be aching to get back in the car and sure. whatever, or maybe just enjoying his success for a while. But I yeah, I but mean, still, it's you picking know. out furniture in his new house in the Swiss Alps or wherever. Yeah, he lives in Switzerland now. He says just because it's nice and to get away from the British press, but uh, you know, obviously for the for the tax breaks. Dude, and if everything. they told me my life was over after I came second in the world championship in my rookie season, I would want to get out of that country too. Yeah, man, I mean that's a little guys. ridiculous. And I also want to say. Uh, I think Alonzo uh, was a pretty reasonable gentleman, too, at the end, at least in public, that I saw. You know, he was very respectful about who wins the championship, and he uh, he did not make any cheap shots. I think he raced Hamilton aggressively but cleanly in that opening uh, lap of the race. And, yeah. And uh, so I think we got to give Alonzo some credit, too. And we, we got an email comment from... Uh, 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 of someone saying that I forget his name, Jim. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, I feel bad now, but he he made oh, some, Michael Kex. Michael Kex. He he made some you know pretty legitimate, I would say, legitimate points about Alonzo, and that you know he's not necessarily getting a completely fair shake in the British press either, and it's not completely as one sided as some people are making it out to be. I mean, and it's true early in the season that caused all this um, caused all this uh, tension between the teammates, you know, some of it was Hamilton not being as much of a team player as he could have been. So uh, I'm not trying to get into all that now, but what I am saying is that I, I think Alonzo ended the season respectfully. Uh, no more cheap shots, things like that. And I also want to say I did pull up the fastest laps of the race. And, uh, <laughs> it took you like 20 minutes, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. I had it up for a while. We had a good conversation going. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen did have the fastest lap, a 1 minute 12.445 second lap time. Lewis Hamilton actually did have the second fastest lap time, very close. It was a minute 12 second, 12.506. And, uh, Massa was third and fourth fastest lap actually went to Roberto Kubica, which is not how you pronounce it. Uh, at, at a minute 12.686. Yeah, the BMWs uh, did a very solid job. I mean, even even Lewis at his fastest couldn't you know couldn't gain much time on them. Uh, you know, they they finished fifth and sixth, which is solid. Uh, Nico Rosberg finished fourth. I mean, good job for him. I sort of got lost, you know, amongst all the other news um, with with the championship and everything. But yeah, it was Nico a Rosberg very good result for him. He's doing quite well, and 
if Williams can keep improving the car like Rosberg himself thinks they can, he could be he could be a pretty serious he could be a podium threat. I don't know if they're going to be world cha- championship contention. I don't think they will. Yeah, but he could be a podium threat for sure. Um, also, I want to mention uh, Kazuki Nakajima in the in the second Williams. Kazuki uh, finished tenth. Uh, good for him. Is his first Grand Prix ever? Um, he knocked it the is dude a over. combination of a Suzuki and a Kazoo. Kazuki. <laughs> Thank you for the insightful comments. Um, he broke a guy's leg on his first pit stop. You remember that? Um, oh yeah, that was Kaz crazy. It was his first pit stop in Didn't Formula quite One hit ever. The marks, as they say. And I mean, and and they talk about you know a lot of these circuits how the uh, the the pit lane itself is asphalt, just like the track. But then the where they actually stop the cars is concrete. Dude, why is your cat all up on me today? And, and going from one going from one to the other, the concrete is really slippery. And uh, you know, the, he just gets he floors the brakes and just slides into this guy and knocks him over. Um, the guy finishes doing his job. It's and he's like a front wheel man. And he takes the wheel away. And you know, lets the car get on the track. I mean, that guy was a team player. I don't, I don't think they released his name, or if they did, I didn't, I didn't catch it. But um, yeah, actually, he injured two of the crew members. Yeah. one guy more seriously than the other, like set a broken leg. Yeah, and it was just because he, he was what I don't know, two feet. He was two feet late, but he just, he just came in a little too hot. Yeah, and I think we can, you know, it's easy with all the, all the drivers, you know, doing it so well. It's easy to sort of forget how close these guys are to just you know running people over every time they come into the pits, and yeah. how, how and how precise it has to be. Yeah, I mean, how a small mistake can you know really sort of you know endanger people, and so it's and you do have to get a little bit of respect for you have a wall of people on both sides of the car, leaving you an opening not much wider than the car itself, and somebody in front of the car too. I mean, it's and yeah. you're going you're going between fifty and sixty miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty serious deal. Yeah, so. it's usually between 80 and 100 kilometers an hour is the pit speed. Yeah. So, you know, that that's pretty crazy. You know, when you, when you think about it, when you really break it down like that, you see you see the drivers do it so routinely so often, precisely you don't think twice about it, but it's actually pretty damn difficult. Yeah, so, you know, well done, um, not for the knocking a guy over, but for finishing the race. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the injuring people part. Well, the guys, the guys are going to be okay, and, and you know they'll they have a nice couple months. Just a to, broken leg. Yeah, they'll have a couple months to relax. I'm sure that guy makes enough money. He'll be okay. He's probably got health insurance. It'll be all right. So we've talked about Lewis Hamilton this whole thing for what a good forty minutes already, right? Thirty five, something like that. Okay, now let's get to the controversy. Ooh, remember what do you got? November fifteenth, McLaren is set to appeal the decision by the FIA. Now, the decision by the FIA was to not charge both uh, Williams Toyota and BMW Sauber with a penalty after they broke the rules. Now, the rule they broke was apparently their fuel temperature on their fuel rigs was not uh, warm enough. There, or I guess a better way to say it was it was below the minimum temperature allowed for the fuel. Yes. There is a rule in place to keep teams from supercooling, quote-unquote, the fuel to potentially gain performance. I think if the fuel is cold enough, it can actually help cool the air, cool the charge a little bit, and give you a little bit more power. I think that's the theory behind it. Um, maybe not. I could be completely no, that is, wrong, I mean, but I yeah, think that's it. If it's, but it, if it's really cool, really cold fuel in there, it's just you're going to get more, uh, you know, just more bang for your It's, for it's your almost bang. like uh, – <laughs> but anyway, so – I gave the I gave it to you kind of in reverse there. Here's what happened: In Brazilian Grand Prix, both BMW Sauber and Williams had broke a rule. Now, if FIA if the FIA decided to say, "Hey, you guys broke a rule," that's a penalty. 
that could very well disqualify both Williams and BMW Sauber out of the Brazilian Grand Prix. If that were the case, Lewis Hamilton would win the world championship. That would be a hell of an outcome. I mean, so, and he has said he doesn't want to win because of a penalty or because of a technicality. He wants to win on track, but still, McLaren is gonna is gonna take this up, and I think they sort of have to. I mean, with so much money and so many, I mean, so many things on the line. They do. If they if they just sort of said, oh well, no, we don't want to win by a default. I mean, there's so many so many things at stake here that they have to look into it. But they did. They mean they did have to. Uh, I guess really think about it. Ron Dennis had a statement. He said, I don't think. Either BMW Sauber nor Williams Toyota did this on purpose. I think it was just a procedural error. I, you know, I don't think there was any malicious, and I don't think any serious performance was gained as a result of this broken of the rule. However, how can the team not? I mean, I think you know, it's it, like it's, we've been yeah. penalized to the nth degree. We've been scrutinized. Everything else. You know what this. This is a decision that we're going to dispute. Now, no one in the media that I've read or anything I've gotten expects the appeal to go anywhere. Yeah. It's it's almost ceremony. But they have to do it, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with them doing it. And uh, it was interesting. You know, Max Mosley went on record as saying, as far as I'm concerned, the championship is over, which, which was a little brutish, I thought, especially considering how close friends Ron Dennis and Max Mosley are. But hence, either way, November 15th, they are set to appeal the decision. And, I mean, it's been a pretty screwy season. Yeah, you well, you with, never know. About the fuel thing, what it is is the, uh, the fuel is not allowed to be more than 10 degrees C cooler than ambient temperature. Okay, so it's not a set actual temperature, but it's, you know, you can't cool it more than a certain amount, which, okay, is reasonable. But um, So if it's an unusually hot day. Which it was. And that's the thing, is it, it was just hotter that time than, than you know, hotter in Brazil than, than people expected and there were tire issues earlier in the in the in the weekend on Friday practice and so on and um you know it didn't end up being too much of an issue in the race. But um I think, you know, that they probably had the fuel rig set for their standard setting or whatever. And they they were found I think the worst was uh BMW was found to be like fourteen and sixteen degrees um below ambient temp at the two different pit stops. So that's a pretty big difference, but how much of a performance advantage that actually would make in the car? Can't imagine much. I can't imagine much. I mean, it, but with Formula One, you know, every little bit counts down to where they have the ballast and every little thing. And not to add fuel to the fire, I will say <laughs> both <laughs> both BMW and Williams performed very well at this. Race. I mean, yeah. Once we started thinking about, well, you know, Hamilton really wasn't able to catch up with the BMWs very well, and yeah, it's like. You know, it, you do wonder a little bit, and we'll see what the appeal. Um, Rosberg was Rosberg was fourth. Yeah. Uh, wait a sec. Hold I'd on. like I'm to hear like right like screen. an engineer's input on this of you know a race engineer who can actually say you know because like we know how much fuel you know an extra kilo of fuel is about a tenth of a second per lap or that kind of thing, but you know how much the fuel dif- the fuel temperature can really Steve make a difference. Steve get on that. Yes, please. Maybe that'll come out in the uh, technical proceedings of the uh, of the appeal. Probably not, though. I mean, I would be surprised if, if they actually changed the outcome of the, of the season. I think that'd be kind of weird anyway. I would say with my generic engineering experience and just cars in general, and you, you know what I'm talking about, I, I really think even with the 6 degrees Celsius change in fuel temp, I think you're looking at a pretty small gain, truthfully. I don't think they're going to yeah, get much. Pretty small is so relative in F1. That's all I'm trying to say is you know no, it's they're true. always looking for a pretty small gain because there's no huge gains to be had. True enough, true enough. But let's say 
just let's pull an arbitrary number. Let's say that their fuel being six degrees centigrade below what it was allowed to be, um, let's say that was worth 20 horsepower. Okay, 20 horsepower out of 800 is one quarter of one percent. It's a very small, it's a very small gain in horsepower. So, if you have, if you have uh, a quarter of one percent horsepower gain, even in Formula One standards, I don't think you're going to uh, gain that much out of it. Okay, do first of all, it's two and a half percent. Second of all, two and a half percent is a lot. Two and a half percent. Yeah, it is. So, but anyway, um, so we'll Hold see. Hold on, where's my calculator? <laughs> Luckily, I got the iPhone standing by here you for calculating. Jerk, mode. you can't. Ooh, I'm gonna use Excel. Yeah, great. Uh, so, I guess you know, we'll we'll let you guys know as that uh, as that pans out. You know what the results are. Obviously, if they change anything and they decide that Lewis Hamilton is the champion because BMW mm, and Williams are excluded. That would be a huge upset. All right, hold on, hold on, back up. Okay, it's not a quarter one percent. Maybe fine, but two and a half percent is still not a lot. It's not a big difference. Twenty horsepower, man. <laughs> I want twenty more horsepower out of my car. You know what? Hold on. Of course, that's like twenty percent in my car. All right, good. Well, that's my point. Okay, you're missing my point. Point is, two and a half percent isn't a lot either. Quarter of one percent is really not much. But you're right. I, I was. I did the we strive to be technically backwards. accurate in the, at the F1 show. We do. And, uh, hey, what can I say? Luckily, I'm here this week. Dude, whatever. All right. So we plan to, uh, you know, as interesting things happen throughout the offseason, um, give you <laughs> uh, updates, you know, as far as where drivers are going to be next year, um, if there's big news on that, if uh, as new cars be introduced are introduced and uh, – you know, testing is underway, and any big new developments, um, and rule changes, and that sort of thing. And uh, probably give you another episode uh, before that, even with sort of the overall season impressions and season wrap up. Um, this would be what we wanted to cover the Brazilian Grand Prix, and uh, you know, we'll put together some facts and figures and come up with a cool season wrap up. And truthfully, there was a lot to talk about here. I mean, a lot about what's going on with Hamilton, and I mean, in some ways, the season really isn't over. I mean, this this appeal thing. Probably isn't going to go anywhere, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, like I say, if, if anything crazy happens there, we will tell you about it for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, again, sorry for the delay on getting this episode to you. Uh, hopefully you haven't forgotten all about Formula 1 already. And uh, one last thing about the the weekend for British sport. The day before Hamilton, you know, dramatically loses the Formula 1 World Championship, um, England lost the Rugby World Cup. Which isn't quite oh, that's as big. Right. I forgot about that. Is the um, poor England? Yeah. So you know, one day it's one day it's uh, the rugby guys, and oh, they were so close, and then they lost. Um, the next day it's uh, it's Lewis Hamilton loses out, and then something. And I think they were they were looking good in the, in the international darts championship, though. That's what England had to peg their hopes on was darts. So is there seriously? Seriously, there is. Um, wow. English people. I don't know. Wow. Um, I bet there's a lot of beer involved with that one. I would hope so, man. <laughs> so anyway, for uh, that championship. should wrap it up for this week. Oh, my God. Wait, what? Yes. We'll, we'll look into that. We might have to be the, the dart show next year Dude, or something. Dude, that's worse than uh, what's that one sport with the, with the brooms? And curling. The oh, curling, cur- yeah. Curling is awesome, dude. Don't even knock curling. Dude, I'm just saying. All right, this episode needs oh, to end. Oh, that's right. You watch curling on Olympics, don't you? Olympic curling? Why don't see... Here's your thing. Here's your problem, Jim. 
you know that it's on at 3 in the morning on a Thursday for a reason, right? Because you're the only one watching it. They have to have it on television because it's the Olympics, but it's curling. And you know what? The dart championship is in the same order. Don't look at me that way. It's stupid, and you know it. I'm Robin Warner. Bastard. Okay, no, look at this, look at this. Okay, you got, yes, you got sport, you've got Formula One, football. This is on ITVsport.com. ITV.com. Um, Click on her sport. And then, okay, Formula One, football, boxing, rugby, Grand Slam of darts. Grand Slam of darts. Dude, that dude's all sweaty. Is and he then, wearing, okay. like, a suede shirt? Dude, he's a darts, he's a professional darts player, okay? You never know what they're going to wear. Okay, but Grand Slam of darts is more exciting than British touring cars, British superbikes, and world rally. And, and betting. Yeah, because that's a sport. Dude, betting. Dude, this is worse than bowling here in the States. No, scroll down. Look at that picture. Look at how exciting he is. <laughs> He's so excited because he just won at darts. You sure that's just not a picture of him reacting to Lewis Hamilton going off track? He looks kind of angry to me. Yeah, maybe he just did something more exciting than playing Dude, this darts. this is darts, man. This is something you do when you're drunk in a oh. bar, in a pub, in a, in, a, in a fake English pub here in the States. I don't even think you're allowed to play darts unless you've had three beers. Yeah, I mean, and you got to hand over your credit card. And you get the little cheap plastic darts, unless it's like a high-class bub. But then it's like $7 oh, beers they all, they all have nicknames, though. Phil the Power Taylor and Wayne Hawaii 501 Martel. Dude, where are you reading this? Dude, out of the big guns up first. Big Grand Slam of darts. Whoa. I could be a darts announcer. Dude, the power. We should have a darts show. I wonder, if they, like, I wonder if they like clock dart speed. That would be so sweet. Can you be like a dart engineer? Oh, my God. Could you be an aerodynamicist for a dart player? Like me, I used to work at Renault, and now I work for Darts. I work for Phil the Power Taylor. This coming Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I want to watch the video, but it says I can't, dude. Darts? Come on, look at this confirmed players. What does that mean? It's like, oh, you're breathing, so yeah, you can play. <laughs> and these guys are not physically fit here, okay? Dude, no, look at this the gun on this guy. <laughs> this is like the big guy. This no, you're not talking about Hawaii Five Hundred One that way. Whole page, man. <laughs> Dude, there's only one page in the whole darts website. This just I'm... in: breaking news: the Fef One Show will now be called the Grand Slam of Darts Show. Dot com. <laughs> How is this more exciting than World Rally? Dude, they need get... to have a meeting on a yacht about this. I'll tell you that much because this is ridiculous. Whatever, dude. These guys have meetings on barbecue I thought boats. English people were cool. No. <laughs> okay. You know what? This explains things, though. This is the same reason why they like uh, cricket so bloody much. That's the most complicated sport on the planet. No, I don't see cricket on this page. And I think so, it's where they have uh, darts these days. So what do they do? They take a non-sport and make it a sport. Okay, British super bikes. That's a sport. That's a sport. Grand Slam of darts? No, not so much. World Rally? That's but, a sport. That's yeah. a hell of a sport. Yeah, but what about betting? Is that a sport? Uh, Jim, I bet you five bucks that... Darting sucks, dude. You should turn. That's a sport. We you should play turn a game. Pro. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm out. Darts. <laughs>